a listener production. I'd like to dedicate today's episode to these beautiful, complete drivelers. They are Christina Savage. She's a savage. Ooh, bougie. Yeah, anyway. Stacey Lee. Stacey Lee has got it going on. Um, Mitchell. Um, uh, uh, Mitchell. What does she sing? I'm painting paradise, but a fucking lot. Um, and Jennifer Burns. Burns. Do you know? Are they saying <laughs> Burns? Are they saying boo? No, they're saying boo, boo words. Burns. I'm dedicating uh, today's episode to you. Thank you so much for being complete drivelers on Patreon. If you'd like a shout out, you know what to do. When life gives you lemons, he'll turn them sassy, not sour. What? Who wrote this script? Strap yourself in. It's Complete Dribble with Christian Hull. Oh, there's dust in here. Oh, hello. I am so excited for today's episode because on hold, I have an incredibly dear friend of mine, Heidi Anderson. Now, I mean, she doesn't hate this, but she was on Big Brother, I want to say 2013. She only got halfway. Loser. Um, But she's sort of launched this incredible career uh, from working in radio. I spent nine years in radio. She spent the same amount of time. We have very similar paths that we've taken. We left radio, became big on social media. She became massive through her body confidence. She's been very open about suffering with anxiety. Uh, Three and a half years ago, she had her gorgeous son, Memphis. She lives over in in Perth. Great name. Great name. Great name. I was working in Memphis. In Memphis. I'm in a real singy mood today. Mm. She's written a book. We're here to talk about it and her story. Uh, Please welcome Heidi Anderson. You're all the way over in another world. Oh, my God, it feels like it. Western Australia, we were locked up for two years and finally we're free, but it still takes five fucking hours to get to Sydney on a plane. I didn't really, it's like It's like easier to fly to Japan than it is to Perth. I can fly to Bali and back in what it is for me to fly to, like, Brisbane and, you know, just but Sydney. My favourite part is you're like, yay, we can leave. Have you left? <laughs> Yes, I actually messaged you when I was in Brisbane recently and you never wrote back. No, you didn't. Before Christmas. Uh, I mean, that was in the height of an absolute mental breakdown. But this is when you need your friends. No, God, no, I want to be alone. Oh, see, I yeah, I get that. But then also you want people who who have been through breakdowns too. Like, that's me. Mm. (laughs) How many breakdowns do you reckon you've been through? Had one yesterday. Um, What over? I get it, and this is so interesting what we'll talk about, like the voices in your head, which is so much about what I do and help other women with now and what my book's all about. You've been very open about suffering with pretty full-on anxiety and I'm assuming your breakdown it was an anxiety, you had an anxiety attack or was it just like your kid was screaming too loudly? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> so he actually, having suffered anxiety and experienced anxiety from as long as I can remember through teens and uh, 20s and now 30s and now got a real better hold of it. But sometimes we have these fucking breakdowns and I like to call them breakthroughs, but it's Mm. when you really get in your head and you can't get off the merry-go-round and you're literally, your thoughts are just remunerating and, you know, that negative self-talk is going and going and going and then you add a kid into the mix, a toddler who's three and a half, half, who wants his 80th fucking snack for the day, like... You know, sometimes you just snap. And, and your so, your husband Griffo, he's fly in, fly out, isn't he? 
Not anymore. But um, what do you think of Griffo, Christian? And can I just say, I know you probably listened to our podcast First Time Parents just for him because he's actually <gasps> really funny as well. He's, he's great funny. material and he's got a really sexy voice and I have the biggest crush on your husband. I mean, the only reason I'm still friends with you is because one day, one day he's going to turn. I actually think he would because he actually likes... Are we allowed to speak about that on the podcast? Like, we he can likes s- Oh, I, I feel like this is stuff that he doesn't want you saying. Well, look at you being all protective of your new boyfriend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you be more discreet about my lover and where I put my penis in him, please? I'm not no. even five minutes in and we're talking about uh, penis in bum with your husband. <laughs> I think because you're, this is the safest place that I can ever have these conversations, That's, right? Yeah, so brilliant. I love that. But um, Back to the breakdown. Back, back to your anxiety and, and your breakdowns. The question I had for you is now that you acknowledge it and talk about it and do you find it that it's now easier or it's exactly the same? Like you still have these oh, exact same breakdowns? No, so much easier. And yesterday my breakdown was so minuscule to, you know, really what someone can go through with anxiety. And, you know, I think that's the thing. There's all these different levels. When I was working in radio and now I feel like I am the wise old owl and when I look back at you know, the way that I used to behave or the way that my anxiety would trigger me into disassociation, shutting down, being getting really in my head and obsessing about what the listeners thought of me, what my co-hosts thought of me, all of those different things led to big moments of like what felt like the end of the world and breakdowns that fully felt like probably how you felt recently where you wanted to blow everything up. It felt like it was months and months and months. Like there was weeks and days where I couldn't get off the bathroom floor and I was dragging myself to work on a radio show in the public eye where I would put on a happy face and then in the middle of the radio shows I was having panic attacks. Breathing into a paper bag sort of, yeah. Yeah, like it's been been that bad. I don't think I will ever get back there Mm. because I've got the tools and now speaking about it, and learning about myself and self-development has been the biggest and best thing that's ever happened to me. Like going on that journey is ultimately been the game changer for me. And now I just, you can't turn back. What was the catalyst moment for you where you went from sort of hiding it all to suddenly just, you know, you you, you get your clothes off and walk through supermarkets with with other people now. Like you have events where you're you're on billboards where you're practically naked. And I look at that and go, that's what I want to do. Like I want to be that confident. And and so watching your story and everything evolve has really helped so many people, which must feel so bizarre because I guess your intention is never, I'm going to do this for other people. It's like, I need to do this for myself. And and when, when did that moment happen for you? Mm, I think... So now I feel like I very much do it for other people, but I still have to put myself through the ringer of exposing myself to being uncomfortable to keep building confidence, right? Mm-hmm. I'm putting myself out there. So um, you should check out my stories from yesterday, actually. Like, you uh, constantly text me. Look at my stories. Look at my stories. Check my stories. Look at my stories. It will inspire you. It always does. But so if I am the girl now who, like, yesterday ran a workshop, had a big photo shoot with everyone writing their shitty mean girl words all over their back and then we're photographed in our bra and undies with our power words on the front and we created all these epic moments and exposed ourselves to our to our mean voices. But for me, 10 years ago or 11 years ago when I was working in Bunbury in Western Australia on Hot FM, you know, at a radio station, network show, you know, I thought I'd like made it <laughs> um, getting into radio. I got on being the funny fat girl. That was who I was. I was like 
you know, hiding behind this mask and everyone thought I was so confident and it was actually this fake confidence because I would always have to bring the laughs so that they didn't really see that I didn't want them to see that I was fat. I didn't want them to say that first. So I'd make the jokes about me being the fat idiot or whatever before anyone could say that to me. But underneath I was so... I was so alone, actually, because I hated myself and no one knew that. And I hated myself when I looked in the mirror and I despised the way that I saw my arms and all that. And so I ended up speaking about it on radio, breakfast radio in 2012 or whatever, and it went viral. Like the bosses around the radio network were like, holy shit, Mamma Mia, we're running articles on it because it was so raw, I think. Like no one had really started talking so openly about this stuff? Because everyone sort of suffers in silence. And, and what I find fascinating about it is um, you're your biggest enemy in a, in a sense. And, and, you know, my journey, you know, have, being heavily inspired by you was no one actually cares. You're the only one that cares. When I would meet someone for the, you know, first time having not seen them in years, knowing, oh, I've put on maybe 10 kilos since I've seen them, I would immediately go, oh, I know, I've ballooned. Like, just so they couldn't say it and, and really hurt your feelings. But they were yeah. never going to say that. They, they might think it and obviously you want to diffuse that tension. But, you know, most of the time they don't care. Sure, you have a family member, um, maybe mention it more than they should, but you, you learn that that's, that's just going to happen. Um, but you, you need to sort of work through it yourself. And I think that's what you've done and that's what you did in radio. You spoke about your anxiety and everyone went, oh, I, I'm the same. And, yeah. then, and then everyone calls in and you realise, oh, my God, there's so many other people. And then you've formed all these groups and you've done these workshops, like the one you were talking about where all of these, I'm assuming it's it's mostly women, all come together and they're, yes. they're, they're writing. I'd love more men, yeah. writing things on their body. I mean, you're not doing that online. You're doing that as a collective group. So it's a real safe space. Yes, yeah, and that's been the thing. I think for me when I first started getting into unravelling and learning more about myself and really understanding the voices in my head and what shit I was talking to myself, that negative self-talk, there wasn't a lot of spaces for me that I felt safe. And even in radio, like, you know, they make you feel safe like you're in the studio so that you're vulnerable, that you Mm. say, you know, your deepest, darkest thoughts, which is what I did. And then they clickbait them and they put all the headlines out. (laughs) Yes. Which is probably what we're going to do to this interview as well. (laughs) And then the trolls come. No, but I think, you know, you, you talked about, majority of us, it's like our own self, right? Like that creates this. And we do like our thoughts create our reality, but they start somewhere. And for me, it started when I was young, when people were saying that I was fat Christian, they did say that I was the fat friend. They did want to go have sex with my friend because I was the funny girl that wasn't, you know, super thin. And so I started to create these stories in my head Mm. that being skinny was successful. Yes. And so that... So that for me, because like you think about it back in the early 2000s, and I write about this in my book, like I didn't see anyone on magazines, TV shows or anything that represented me. And if they did, they got absolutely fucking ridiculed mm-hmm. by mag- you the know, media. those magazines. Other, yeah. yeah. And do you remember Dicko said that thing <gasps> to Pauline? Oh, my and- God. About her, about, you know, the shape of her body when she's in a singing competition. And that, for me, was such a significant moment because as a woman who didn't feel like anyone represented my size at that time that I could really think about, mm-hmm. he what he said just really played on that, that thought that I'd always had in my life that skinny means successful. 
did you go into radio maybe similar to me where you went, not even going to try TV because I don't look the part? But at least radio, they can't see you and it's just a voice. Or, or <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. They never used to plaster you all over social media or over billboards yeah. or anything. Like, you literally could hide. And so, <laughs> no, I... I think because I tried for Big Brother when I was, like, 19 and they rejected me or something like that. And then so I was like, oh, my God, that just played into, like, I'm so fat and ugly and blah, 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 blah. And then I went off and started doing some radio at the radio station in Bathurst where I grew up. And then I just loved radio. But, Mm. yeah, it wasn't because I was scared. I mean, they didn't have mirrors in there. I wasn't scared of my own reflection or seeing myself. (laughs) But yeah, like, is that why you got into radio? I got into radio because I wanted to do television, but I got to a point where I was like, I know I'll never do TV. Uh, Too flamboyant and I'm I'm not hot. But I I really wanted to do something in the media and something entertaining. And someone just said, why don't you do radio? And I mean, that's a backhanded compliment. But I was like, oh, that's a great (laughs) idea. And so that's why I got into radio. And then... You know, radio is very different from t- TV. Is so fake, it's scripted, it's all bullshit. Oh. Uh, I mean, radio to a to a degree is all bullshit, but it's a lot yeah. more live and real. And you know what? Like, it's interesting that you talk about this. So I write about it in my book about going through grief, and like, there's still sometimes those mean girls do get loud. Like, because when you're in radio, you have that profile. You know what I mean? And you and you feel like... Well, you have a backing. Well, you have a team. I had a backing and I had a team and leaving that and doing it on my own as a new mum, I have really questioned myself at times and I have thought that I maybe want to go back there because it's like that validation. I think for going back to your question about getting into radio, I think for someone who was so insecure, who was pretending that she was like really happy and in, you know, the happiest person ever, but was also just like getting all her confidence from drinking on the weekends and sleeping with boys... It was a massive validation that was filling a void in my life. And so when I took that away, mate, I had fucking work to do. Mm. Like I had so much work to do and so much of what I preach around body positivity and confidence and everything, I was talking to myself for years, you know, like when I would do stuff on the radio or write an article or do a post on Instagram, I was talking to me because I was the one that needed that. And so I still too have the shitty self-talk at times, but I just know how to move through it now. Yeah. Was that too deep for this podcast? No, this, this is great. This oh. is exactly where I want to take it. And I think being a, you know, being a first-time parent as well, that's got to be fucking... And then suffering with the, you know, sheer amount of anxiety that you have, that has got to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, so being a first-time mum and I think now looking back, I was really anxious and, you know, I was this person on the radio who shared so much of my life. And then I remember Christian sitting in the room and I just had Memphis 12 hours before and he was taken off me literally half an hour after I had him because he had low blood sugars. I'd had an emergency C-section. And I remember sitting there and I felt this pressure and anxiety to call the radio show and announce the birth of my son. And looking back, I had fucking PTSD. I was like high on fucking drugs and like, you know, my own hormones and endorphins. But I felt such intense anxiety from the job that I had and feeling like I had to not want to lose my spot on the radio show and this and that, that I had to continue to share my life. That in this moment, I look back and I think I was just this young, poor, innocent mum who was so vulnerable. And because we share our lives all the time, it was very much like, yeah, you need to tell us as soon as you have the baby. And I wished someone had said to me, 
get yourself right, get your feeding right, do what you need to do and call in the radio show. Because, Christian, when I called in that morning, literally only just 12 hours after having a baby, like it makes me teary. Mm. My son had known for half an hour, half an hour, that's it. Mm. I hadn't even cuddled him all night. I literally didn't know who I was. I had no fucking clue. And that was a massive traumatic event for me where I really spiralled and, like I said, I had to put on such a brave face because I had this little boy and a family and I had to put on this really brave face because I was like, this is who people think I'm supposed to be. But I was dying inside and I was so anxious and worried about my job and this and that and I don't think we talk about this enough, you know, of mums being so vulnerable and not being supported by their workplace or their even their friends or, you know, doctors and nurses do such an incredible job. But I think when you are that anxious person, we're so afraid to say that, hey, I'm not doing okay. And when I look back at that, I was just trying to be so strong because I just birthed this human and I felt like a stranger to him and I felt like a stranger to the radio show. And that was probably one of the most traumatic things when it was supposed to be one of the most beautiful things, you know, to share it with the world and this and that. And so, yeah, I haven't actually really ever talked about this <laughs> like this before. So this is very cathartic. <laughs> yeah, did you did you see it as almost like a fork in the road moment where you were like, I love my job and now I've got a kid and you're like, well, I don't want it to be one or the other, so I'm going to take yeah. it and pretend like I can do both things and everything's great and I don't want to create doubt with my family that I might not be a good parent or even yourself. You're like, I'm going to be a great parent. So you just say that and then you go, I'm also going to have this great job that I've always wanted. And so you're like, inside you're like, oh, shit. Oh, I literally didn't know who the fuck I was. And I remember like calling in and being like, I feel like a stranger, like my co-host, I don't even know them. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know. And then I had this little boy down in this neonates unit that I'm like, I don't even know who he is. Like I named him when he wasn't even with me. And it was that moment that I was like, I remember just trying to get my shit together. And like I said, looking back and reflecting and writing my book, this brought up a lot for me because I was like, holy shit, I was so vulnerable and not okay. But me who preaches, like, speak, shed your shit, put yourself out there, talk up. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe, you know, to to say anything because I'd put so much pressure on myself. And from there, like I look at my early motherhood journey and I feel like so much of myself was still trying to prove something to everyone else. I was still searching for that, you know, that validation that I talked about why I got into radio in the first place. Mm. And so I think that caused a lot of the anxiety. But Memphis, honestly, and you know this, I've spoke to you about it and, you know, the way that I talk about it, like he has literally changed my whole entire life. Like he's by far the best thing that's ever happened to me besides Griffo, obviously, love my husband. <laughs> so do um, I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? But, you know, and so I think having him... He's just grounded me and stabilised me and, like, uh, he was, he has been become my why. And, you know, before it was, I think I just had, you know, that anxiety was just me, 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 because that's what happens when you're anxious. And I had to give to him, 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 yeah, him, him, right. you know. So it's almost, I mean, like you're taking all of that spotlight off of you and going, well, I've got a life I need to look after. And so it's... I mean, not a distraction. It's a great, you know, you love him, but it's like... I mean, he has been a good distraction <laughs> for my career. Well, how did you get yourself, you know, you're lying in that hospital bed thinking, "What? who the fuck am I? What was the, like, the next few months for you like? How do you get yourself oh. out of that? 
It was really fucking hard. And I I believe that it's so many mums, especially these days with the way that the environment is set up for the world, like for mums and stuff, we're so not supported in that new mum stage like we could be. Do you know what I mean? We definitely have support, but, it, like, you feel so alone and you put so much pressure on yourself to be a perfect mum when there's no fucking handbook. And, you know, like I said, we also, like, I feel like the guys... They don't necessarily, and some of them will lose their identity, but with their jobs, a lot of them stay in their jobs and that, whereas us mums, we are so identify ourselves with our jobs a lot of the time, you know, and so for me, I had, that was so much of my identity was put in that radio studio, mm. you know, as that person on the billboard and this and that, and to have all of that removed in those first few months of being on maternity leave it was, like I said, well, you just become a, a feeding machine, basically. No sleep and all you're doing is just... Oh, crying food, crying bed, yeah. sleep, then, nappy change. It's full And on. everyone's around you. Like they want to oh, meet the baby. God. They want to see you. And then, which, you know, is nice at times, but also... No, it's not. You can, but you can be real. It's the last thing you want. You want your own time. You don't want to have to look good for other people. It's the worst time. I mean, I didn't worry about looking good for anyone. <laughs> but for me, it was like I liked having my mum there. I really did. Yep. And Griffo, but, you know, your, your partner goes back to work, usually not long after you've had your child. Then all your friends, they fucking stop calling. They don't, you know, mm. none of my friends dropped off a meal. Like now I know what I would do to a new mum. Like I'm like, do you need a coffee? I'll just, you don't even need to answer the door. I'm just going to leave it on the front door. Coffee, food, whatever you yeah. need will be on the front door. And like I think that's where a lot yeah. of the anxiety comes from we're also too afraid to say that like I was too afraid to say like hey I'm actually really struggling because I don't actually know what the fuck I'm doing I'm googling several thousand things in the middle of the night feeling alone what you've just spoken about I think will connect with a lot of a lot of mums you know it's like you've then taken that and built this sort of confidence empire you know you've written a book you do these amazing courses there was a recent photo shoot you did of all of these women in in bathing suits which a, a simple thing as putting on you know your swimmers is so confronting because it's like yeah. you're in your underwear and then you all jumped you all jumped off the highest wharf and it was <laughs> it was full on to watch but it was so like you know i i loved that and I think you connect with a lot of women and it's a shame you're so far away because I think, you know, you could really do a lot on the East Coast. And I think I just think this... Well, maybe we could, like, collaborate and do something together and I'll just come to the East Coast. I'll fly over and see you. Well, I'm now getting my... Like, I'm now getting it out. Like, And, and that's because basically from, from you and, and Emmy Lou as well... Um, mm. You know, the confidence that I keep seeing, and this is the thing, it's not one thing that you've done, it's that I keep seeing it from you. The billboards, the, you know, getting your clothes off on Channel 10, on television. Um, <laughs> like, it's because I keep seeing it that I'm like, oh, it's not a, this is this is fantastic. So I really love and respect you and I, I love everything you've done and um, I can't believe you have a kid because that's a lot of work. Well, he's three and a half now. And can I just quickly say on that as well, like with all the stuff that I do, right, it's all about like exposing ourselves, right? So the only way you're going to get more comfortable with seeing your naked body or wearing swimmers is literally by doing it every single yeah, day. Yeah, Like wearing it. Like So for me, I was the girl who couldn't wear a fucking bikini. Like I never could, but I bought one and I let it sit in my yeah. house for three years yes. and then I started to yes. wear it around the house. Yes. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I could 
would wear this to the beach. And I remember I wore it to the beach for the first time and nearly fucking died because all of the noise in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, he's looking at me. She's judging me. Oh, my God, I'm so fat. I, I ate 50,000 donuts this week. Why am I wearing, you know, yeah. all of that shit. But then I got home and I was like, fuck, I did it. Like, oh, my God. And no one cares it. on the beach. No one cares. And, and even if they did, there's probably 5% that are just judgy motherfuckers, but they've got their own work to do. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, that, that's How their funny. own shit that's I was the same. Up. I bought a pair of budgie smugglers and I wore them at home yeah. and I was like, oh, I don't hate this. And then I was like, I'll go to the gym because <laughs> there's like a steam room and a sauna and I would wear my board shorts and it was very uncomfortable. So I wore these budgie smugglers and no one cared. I was like, this is great. And it just went from that to the beach and now I'm about to go away for a week and I'm going to a nude beach which I've done before but it was very terrifying and I was only nude for a little bit of time I'm going to go full nude and I'm going to go into the water <gasps> when you yes! go to a nude beach and walk into the water everyone will see you I'm oh so my God. excited I went to a, I went to a nude beach this week and got and then I'm doing a photo shoot at a nude beach this Saturday <gasps> with a bunch of women so we've got yes. 40 women registered to do, it's called Nude Rise. So, oh like, we're going to get photographed at, in the nude at sunrise. So, we're doing that this Saturday. And then I also, I'm coming, I am coming to the East Coast for Melbourne Fashion Festival. We're doing the Power Walk of No Shame and All Bodies, a beautiful flash mob in Melbourne as well for International Women's Day. Amazing. You're amazing. I do want to get my kid off with you one time soon. <gasps> Oh, that's really full on. I don't know if I could do my kid. That's the next thing is getting comfortable being with people that I know. Oh, yeah. But what wow. about like we could totally do like an expose yourself photo shoot oh. together and like we oh. could really push you. Because this is the thing, right? Exposure therapy, you think about it. Like when people are scared of snakes, what do they do? They wear but a snake. The, the only problem snake. is like Griffo has an enormous. <laughs> yeah, but- Griffo's like real hot. And so that's that's a lot. Okay, to go from- can I just say something that's going to contradict everything that I fucking preach and talk about? Yeah, it's actually not really about our bodies. Like this is the thing, and this is what <sighs> I like to sum up the all of this. What we've talked about. So yes, I'm photographed on the front of my book in my brown undies. Yes, I'm standing here with my tummy out now. Yes, you're. I get women to photograph their bodies. I put it all over social media. We're going to do an all bodies a beautiful flash mob. Yeah, but it's actually not even about that. It's so much about, like, the person. And I don't even fucking look at people's bodies now. And do you know what I mean? Like, that's the mm. thing. It's like the magic is so much unleashing confidence from within because the feeling is fucking It's pretty amazing when you do something that really takes you out of your comfort zone and then it's done and you're like, oh, that was fine. You can literally take on the world. Like, have you seen Chris Hemsworth's Disney Plus documentary Limitless? No. With- Oh, my God, you need to watch it. It talks about how far we push ourselves and pushing ourselves outside our comfort yeah. zone and how we really grow and can do absolutely anything when we understand our mind. So that's what it, all this work is. It's like literally working on our mindset. It's That's what it is. Well, thank you so much for being here. Your book, Drunk on Confidence, you can get now. <laughs> also, I highly suggest, look, if, if you're listening to this and you don't feel confident, you don't feel great about yourself, go go to Heidi Anderson. It's at Heidi Anderson. Go to, well, what's your Instagram? Because it's changed. Oh, no, it's up there on the wall, at underscore Heidi Anderson. Oh, it is. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. underscore. That's right. Yeah, someone, remember yeah. I fucked it when I said, Christian, yeah. I want to change my name on Instagram and you didn't tell me to put the... the yes, I the did. End. The only advice I said is make it your name and don't have an underscore at the front. <laughs> what is it? It's underscore Heidi Anderson. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, go go 
look her up, look what she does, watch her videos because you you will be inspired and it might just be the ticket that you need to change sort of your mindset. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I love you. It's like going on a roller coaster ride with me and you, isn't it? Like from dicks to crying oh, that's to right. dogs. To your husband's asshole to... To, <laughs> to anxiety yeah. to crying. Oh, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, earlier too. That's, that's really... Oh, I think it was because it was you. I've not cried like that on another podcast before. So... Great. Well, we're going to clickbait the shit out of that and uh, <laughs> rope people in. <laughs> Complete Dribble with Christian Hull. So this week is International Women's Week, I'm calling it, because it's International Women's Day on Wednesday the 8th of March. And we've just spoken with Heidi Anderson, who is a dear friend and someone who I'm constantly inspired by. Now, another woman who I'm very inspired by, and I will get very emotional here, I'm an ambassador for a charity called Bravery Buddies. And I've been speaking with Tegan uh, over the last uh, few days or so. And I know, Tegan, I know you're on the phone. Hi. Sorry to cry. Okay. Um, I just wanted to bring you on this episode because you are uh, a woman that I have been inspired by for so many years. Your story is beautiful. It's amazing. You are the founder and almost the sole employee of a charity that I'm an ambassador for called Bravery Buddies. Can you tell me, first of all, just explain to those that may not know, what is Bravery Buddies? Sure thing. So, At Bravery Buddies, we provide companion dolls to children who are impacted by cancer or other medical-related hair loss. So really just a relatable little friend for them to have on their journey. It's a doll that looks like them, has no hair. They can choose their skin colour and if it's a boy or a girl and how it's dressed. And yeah, it's just a really important tool in basically their healing process and them to be able to yeah have an emotional connection with a toy, which... Just relate you know, to something. Yeah. You know, going through, especially kids going through, you know, chemotherapy or cancer treatments, like your heart breaks for them. They're so young. And these dolls are incredible because it's, it's like, a, it's a plushie. It's all soft. It's not like a Barbie. It's like a proper cuddly toy. And it's probably about the size of an adult forearm, really, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite a good cuddly toy for them. Yeah, it's about 45 centimetres and we made it the same size as um, the very popular Our Generation dolls, which you can get at Kmart, so that kids can go in and, you know, buy extra clothes for them and, yeah, just to have it be an ongoing, yeah, companion for them that, that will just always be there. Now, it's, so, it, yeah. You started this from, from quite a personal journey, because what's your story? Yeah, so I have had leukaemia for 22 years. So I was diagnosed when I was 13 years old. So it's all pretty much just come from that. And in 2017, the medication that I was on, which was controlling my condition, it stopped working. So that was probably, yeah, one of the scariest times in my life. But what it did really was made me reflect back on what it was like to be diagnosed as a child because I'd really forgotten sort of how, you know, I, I, I suppose I've suppressed a lot of those feelings. So it really just came flooding back how scary it was, how absolutely life-altering it was. And I just knew suddenly that there was just a need for something to be there to comfort kids. I was looking at my son, you know, who my son has ADHD and anxiety and he is very, very attached to his plush toys. And I thought, mm-hmm. there's something here. There's a need here for children to get that, you know, have that, attachment and comfort that they get from toys, but to go a step further and make it even more relatable for kids going through cancer. And so how did, how did what, what do you do to start this? Who do you talk to? How do you build it? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, lots of trial and error and just, I don't know, just sitting down and firstly figuring out a design, I guess, and and yeah, what, what I knew it needed to have straight away, I knew that it needed to be a soft toy because you see a lot of dolls that, you know, like have big, clunky, hard plastic heads and things. You think, that's not cuddly. That's not what kids need, you know, in hospital or whatever to to give them comfort. So, yeah, I knew that it needed to be a plush doll. And luckily, um, I've got a background in design. I'm a graphic designer. So that made it a lot easier, I suppose, in getting those initial designs like, out there. I, I feel like... Yeah, designing a doll, getting it made and man- as someone who uh, has a team of like seven people behind my business where I source and get products, it's still a lot of work. Even with a team of seven, you're basically a team of one and to be able to get uh, these dolls manufactured, like how many last year did you get? Um, so last year we got like over 3,000 requests. Yeah, um, in shit. addition to, um, we give in, in bulk to hospitals and things like that. So, look, it, so it's you crazy. give them, you're giving them to hospitals <laughs> as well as dealing with requests. Yeah, yeah. and so, so um, people come onto our website and request like individuals, and then yeah, we 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 do deliver in bulk to hospitals as well. So it's how many <laughs> how many um, dolls did you end up distributing? Um, distributing last year. Well, we distributed them all. Everyone that's been requested so far has been distributed. That We we haven't ever gotten to a point where I've had to say, no, I haven't got one here for you, and I never want to get to that point. I think mm-hmm. if I got to that point, it would just be heartbreaking for me because it's it's not sort of like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I can't do anything about it. Just all you have to do is look at photos and videos of kids with these dolls and see how how much it means and you know, I, I'm aware that, that some people may be like, oh, it's just a doll, but it isn't. Go As a child who, you know, as somebody who's been through childhood cancer, anything that gives you that connection, that relatability, that comfort, when you're going through literally the most difficult thing you could go through is, is yeah, there are no words for how much that means. And it's not just for the kids, it's to the parents, you know, for them to see their child smile for the first time in, you know, who knows how long, that is gold. It's magic. I was really excited when uh, Greg, the yellow wiggle, you know, came on board, did a little song. I thought this is the moment. And then it just sort of, uh, he came on board, he did, he was amazing. But then, you know, no media pick it up, no one talks about it. And it's just, it's just so, God, yeah. I don't mean to harp <laughs> on to you. It's just thing. so know, much work, I, though. I know, that's the thing, though. Like, you sort of think every time something big happens, like, we get some support, like, this is it. But the thing is, I have had people say to me, like, why has this not been picked up yet? Why has this not been on television yet? And I honestly, I don't have an answer for you but because I have reached out so many times. The amount so. of people, when I talk about Bravery Buddies on my platforms, who go, we need this in Canada, we need this in the States, in the UK. Like yeah. we, the, uh, Now, <laughs> I, I want to say thank you for all the work that you do. You did message me because you had a... Tell me about this thought you had in the shower. Yes. Okay, so... I was in the shower doing my brainstorming because, you know, I think about Bravery Buddies basically from the moment my eyes open until they close again at night. Um, yeah, but I was, I was thinking just how are we going to raise some more money? And I just sort of this thought popped into my mind. The thing is, across all of our social media, we do have like a reasonable following for a charity. It's like we've got over 30,000 followers across all socials. And I thought, you know, if, if all of our followers, even just all of our followers donated one single dollar, like that 
is amazing. That would get us out of trouble for, you know, at least six months. What um, day do you want people yeah. to do that? So Dollapalooza Day is on the 10th of March. Great. So, um, I mean, it's on now. You can donate now, but we're going to really try and get as many as we, we can on the 10th of March and give away some prizes as well. Yeah. So anybody who contributes to that campaign will be running for, yeah, If you can afford to, you can actually sponsor a buddy um, where you go go on to, oh, here's where I get, it's, it, you're an organisation, so it's braverybuddies.org, isn't it? Braverybuddies.org.au. Yeah. .au. God, you'd think after five years I'd know your website. <laughs> the best thing I can do is to help promote you and fingers crossed we've got to get what we need, what, $6.8 billion we want to raise <laughs> on yeah, the 11th of March. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Got to set a high goal. Complete dribble with Christian Hull. Christian. <sighs> yes, you've, you've produced some content. I have produced some content. Surprise, surprise. Mm. Okay, I, my friends are on. I produced two segments. Good job. So what's your International Women's Day segment that you've brought? Um, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yesterday was actually International, I know it's International Women's Day Wednesday, uh, but Sunday was actually... International Men's Day. <laughs> Oh my God, don't trigger me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, that's every other day. We get every day. Know the meaning of your name day. I mean, there's a day for everything, but right. yesterday yes. was no the meaning of the day. That's in February. Oh, you'd know, you'd know all about that, wouldn't it's you? No national fuck off day. <gasps> we tried to get one registered. Why hasn't that happened? Why haven't uh, we done that? It's apparently too rude. But anyway, uh, sorry. International name I, day. I'm just not producing hard enough, clearly. Yeah, well, that'll be your next mission. <laughs> um, so what I've done is I've popped in your name to a generator. This has spit out all of your characteristics, even your potential uh, occupation. Oh, wow. There's a whole lot of things in yeah, here. This is an essay now, I about want... the meaning of Chris. Oh, is it the meaning of Christian Hull? Yes, your full name. Oh, it's a full name. Yes. So I want you to read through and just see how accurate you think it is. Oh, my greatest strength. Here we go. <laughs> You are not prone to accept ideas at face value as you are keen to find reasonable explanations for how things work, yes? Wanting to prove ideas to your own satisfaction, you are not the type of person readily to accept anything new, oh, that's true, until you have had a chance to consider the facts. Yes, sort of. I do jump to conclusions. Anyway. Uh, it says being independent, yes. You would learn through your own initiative and experience, yes. Preferring to learn and work on your own. Ooh, wow. And helping others. Mm, helping others. <laughs> with common sense advice. Yes. And bring clarity and understanding. Yes. I like to help others with common sense advice. I mean, I like to shout at them. For example, my brothers could not walk single file on a fucking footpath in Europe oh. when the footpath only really allows for one and a half people. Oh, sense. Get out of the way. It used to drive me insane. Okay, here are my weaknesses. This is my favourite part. Really? You will have to learn to be gen <laughs> <laughs> to be generous and considerate. Oh my God. Of no, this, this is bullshit. I am generous and considerate of the viewpoint of others. Due to the self 
reliance of your inner nature. I will listen to other people. I mean, I still disagree with them completely. Yay. Sure, Christian. You fucking bitch. I'm not listening to your opinion. This, wasn't, sure. this didn't actually go through a generator. This is just what this I think. Is you just, this is my performance review. <laughs> you are not naturally. <laughs> oh my God! You are not naturally inspirational or expressive in artistic and musical fields. Oh! But you do have a natural interest in techniques if you commit to any discipline, including music. You would work to perfect your skill. Well, I'm learning the recorder. Uh, I was going to say, well, we've all heard your recorder skills. Yes, well, I'm learning to perfect them. Sure. Likely occupations. <gasps> this is my favourite. What? Oh, my God. Engineer? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what an engineer is. Geologist. I used to collect rocks as a kid. Oh. Auditor. What, someone? Mm, okay. Chartered accountant. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they call. That's code word for OnlyFans. When someone asks what you do, you say I'm an accountant. And that means you post nudes. Um, business owner. I'm a business owner. Mechanic. <laughs> I mean, I once tried to fill up my car with oil. Uh, yeah, that didn't go so well. Bookkeeper, clerk, writer. Or any occupation that requires attention to detail. Um, well, whatever field you choose, your self-reliance and perseverance will add greatly to your success. Hmm. Self-reliance. Yeah, I mean, currently in a bit of a slump, so I wouldn't say successful. It comes and goes. We're almost, hey, um, so we're a tier three, a tier C podcast. We're almost, we're almost at a tier two. We are, we are so we close. We are so close to a tier I reckon so next episode. You can taste it. Oh God, so please listen and tell your friends and leave reviews. Mm. It pushes up, and then when I get to T2, they will start giving me money. I will st- we'll start, like, making some advertising dollars. Not that it's about that. No, it's about the good times and it's the laughs. It's about the fun. Yes. Mostly the money. Mostly the money. Okay. What does your name mean, though? Here we go. <clears throat> your combined names, Christian Hull, give you the desire for security and a settled life with system and order in your affairs, but create a destiny of hard work in a limited environment in which there is little opportunity for congenial association or pleasant diversions. Makes no sense to me. You are forced to start over from the bottom. Oh, yes, time and time again, yes. Not really reinvent myself, but oh, anyway, with little reward for your efforts. Weakness in your health could affect your digestive <gasps> and eliminative organs. What's an eliminative organ? But digestive, yeah, that's where all my issues have been. And my knee, and my back, and my head. <laughs> as well as the extremities. Oh, there you go. Particularly the head. <gasps> End of what my name means. I think a lot of that was very accurate. I think a lot of it was also very inaccurate. Mm, well, mm. so beg to differ. What? Does, Agree to disagree. So how do you, where do people where how do people do this? Um, so this is the name report. So if you just type in the name report into Google and then just go onto the website, pop in your name, it'll literally send you a PDF. There was so much more than this, Christian. There was so much more than this really? sheet of paper. So, like, thank you for doing that. But my only takeaway is, <laughs> you are not naturally. <laughs> 